Hey, listeners, what's up? Welcome to another week of Disrupt You with one of your hosts, me, Taylor Bell. I'm your lifelong learning, don't lose my library card. Is it time for lunch yet, friend? And my awesome co-host. Hello, I am Melinda Gates, and I am just living my best life out here. You know, what's, I don't know what's going on with, uh, with Bill over there, but I, I'm i living my best life over here. Your settlement got you right? What's that? Your settlement got you right? I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good right now with the Melinda Gates Foundation doing big things over saving the planet, really. You know, Taylor, I know this is what this podcast is about. I don't think Melinda gets as much credit as she should. I think Bill Gates is the big, as far as like a nonprofit standpoint, oh, she's a game changer. So I give all cred on the Disrupt You uh, uh, stage to Melinda Gates. Give it up for Melinda Gates. But for Disrupt You, what are we talking about this week? What's going on in the world? Well, uh, I thought we would chat a little bit, Melinda, about uh, textbooks versus OERs and how those digital resources have anything to do with course course authorship. That was hard for me this morning. Um, And like the idea of active learning, right? Because textbooks are really, I have a lot of feelings about textbooks. So I, I don't know if you knew this before, but textbooks are all written by like the same 5,200 white people historically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. And so the idea of textbooks is just really, it's a, it's kind of tumultuous for me. So we've had this history, right? So history after, I don't know about you, this is how I, you had a class, you had one to three textbooks for that class. You had your backpack full of these textbooks. You read things that were at the newest, maybe seven or eight years old. I've, at least in my experience, some of them were 20, 25, 30 years old. Um, and it was kind of base level because one, either they had to be written that way because the they were going to be used for a decade or more. Um, and two, there was just, there was so, you know, top of the water that it was hard to understand like the real world, what's going on today. That's what was my experience. What was your experience with textbooks? Textbooks, kind of the same thing. You do need a bunch of them. Oh my goodness. You need so many. I actually remember in my undergrad, I took a course that required, it was a psychology course uh, about mental health and society. And actually at the time it was called mental illness in society because apparently I'm so old that we didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. Um, But it required four textbooks and all of the textbooks were literally 15 years old. Like they had not been, there was no newer editions. Mm -hmm. They like stopped at seven and that was all. And so in my opinion, there was so much more to learn. I mean, I was going into forensics at the time. So the idea that I'm learning about mental health from 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and at that time still waiting on a DSM, how is this actually helpful? I'm legitimately just giving myself scoliosis carrying these guys around. Yeah. And when this, I, I don't know if you heard about this, this came out, you know, quite a, quite a few years ago now, but this thing came out called Google. And um, they, there's up-to-date information everywhere. And I'm, I'm, being, I'm being funny. I mean, obviously, there's fake stuff, right? So there's, there's a difference between Google and a textbook. Textbook is peer-reviewed. I, so let me just let that out there before the well, haters. There is Google Scholar. 
Yes, indeed. So, so tell me about OER. What is an OER first? Give, can you give us a, a definite, what is an OER? So these open education resources, OER is that, that shorthand term for it. Um, they are just awesomely free most of the time resources that you can find online and they are peer reviewed in a lot of cases. And like you said, there's a lot of stuff you can slip into on the internet. It's vast, but if you're careful and you're intentional about what you're looking for, you can actually find resources on any subject. I actually developed a course, my first course I ever developed. I used only OERs from mm -hmm. reputable sources. And everyone loves that course. It's so simple. They don't have to order any books. They don't have to spend any extra money. Mm -hmm. um, and those resources are always available to them because they live in cyberspace. Mm -hmm. And I definitely see the opportunity for OERs, especially like 100 level classes, like freshman level classes, sort of survey type classes. Um, I mean, in theory, it could work for any class in theory. The, here's the issue. Here's my, let me push back on the devil's advocate here. When we start getting, I mean, even for 100 level classes, or especially when we get into senior level and more advanced classes, what's the benefit? So what's the business model of an OER? So I say, Taylor, I want you to create an OER. I want you to create a textbook. It's going to take you a year, two years to put this thing together. Here's the thing though. And this is, this is innovation. We're not going to pay you for it. <laughs> You're going to give it out for free. What's the business side of getting people to make these? See, that's that's hard to say, because if you asked me that, I would say, hey, that sounds super philanthropic. Um, but what I have for you is something that I've already created. Mm. And I think in a lot of cases, these OERs are available because we have very selfless people, educators out there that understand the importance of these resources and getting them to users, students, learners. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have, I know some people probably really purposefully work on these things, but just think if this came up and you just had a repository of like math information, mm -hmm. right? I don't like math. I'm sure there are people that do. That's why we have engineers, but if you could go online and get access to content that would otherwise be in like a $600 engineering book, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you do that? And if you had that content, why wouldn't you share it? So as far as the business model goes, I don't, I don't really know what that looks like. Cause right here, right now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not doing it for free. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And so at our, so our university, we, they tried this. I don't even know if this is still a thing. They tried like a grant where you got so many thousands of dollars and then you made an OER. So that was kind of a neat thing. It was just, it wasn't enough to tell you the truth. It just it wasn't enough money. But what I could, I mean, this is getting into my, my Bernie spiel for a second, but what if public institutions like, you know, University of Mizzou, right? Mizzou, University of Missouri, any of these large, you know, state funded institutions, if the state funded these OERs, obviously it would go toward the university in any university, then US-wise could then use them, but even it could support people not going to college, right? So then you're just educating the population. I don't know if there's like a federal opportunity here or whatnot, but man, I think there could be an opportunity for just not just in the US. I mean, what if you take these OERs and then use them worldwide? Now we're educating other countries, maybe countries that need some support as far as education goes. Uh, we know from current wars and whatnot, the more educated a country, the more money the US makes from those countries. So I think there's an opportunity here. It's just, 
it's just, you know, checks, you know, they don't grow on trees. Right. So, Oh my goodness. I wish they did. <laughs> so, okay. Well, we are, I, let me, let me get your take on these. I started really getting into simulators, like getting, I use, uh, we have a couple courses that use like a simulator. It's super dope. It's uh Taylor, do you ever have like in high school or whatnot? I never ha- I heard about, it. I never actually used be where you could trade stocks like you were given $10,000 fake money, right? In this simulator and you could buy and trade stocks for a whole semester and it would tell you what you would have made or lost. And that's, it wasn't real, right? But it was a simulator. Have you right. ever heard of that? Yeah, I've heard of that. And we didn't do it that way, but we had kind of the same idea, right? Okay. You're given free money, right? Yep. And you are told what to do with it and you create I whatever you create, whether that's stocks, whether it's a business plan, and then you track it all semester, yes. And then you get to know how that would have worked out for you, which is yeah. neat. Yeah. So I use that. There's a there's a product called Stukint. It's um, this is not a paid advertisement for our, our sponsor, but reach out to us if you want to sponsor our show. Um, but you get it's a simulator for digital marketing. So you create email newsletters, you create Facebook ads, you create Instagram ads, you write copy, and then you decide how much money each week you'll put toward everything. And then it tells you what you would have made over that. And man, students get into it. it we have like a leaderboard. I make it public. You can, you can have a choice to make it public or not. And they see how much they made compared to their colleagues in the class. And it's really cool. I, I, what's your thoughts on more simulators as course, con- as, as textbooks? My thoughts are yes. Um, so the idea of gamification, it seems so obvious as a super easy active learning tool, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So simulators are a great way to demonstrate like, hey, this this is like a real life opportunity and you don't have any risk involved. There's Mm -hmm. no risk involved. That's so comforting. It naturally makes students feel like they're gonna succeed. I'm definitely into finding and employing more, uh, more simulators. And I think that that's really relevant in multiple, parts of academia, right? It's not just for marketing. I think that can be used across the board. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's just interesting, this kind of breaking up of the traditional model. The traditional model was there was a faculty member, then the faculty member chose a publisher, Pearson or Kindle Hunt, whoever it was, used that textbook, university. And now, Taylor, it's so interesting where a faculty member I mean, I'm not unique by this by any means. Many faculty have this where you're reached out to by publishers, um, Kindle Hunter Pearson or whatnot, and saying, we would love for you to have your own textbook, right? And we'll help you make it. We'll help you create that textbook and you get royalties off that textbook. And it's a money play, right? Because I'm the faculty member, more money in my pocket. (laughs) All right, let's, I'm interested. We love that. So there's this interesting fact, like, why do I need the publisher? Can I just, I'll just make it myself. Maybe it's an NFT, which you talked about before. I create my own textbook. I sell it to my students or any other university. I make a little money. There's also faculty going into creating their own classes off of like Coursera and having study exams on platforms like that. Or what's the, um, the non-porn version of OnlyFans, uh, Oh, I just lost it. It starts with a P. Uh, what? I'm, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look up. What, what's your thoughts on this idea of faculty being more part of the business process and like selling their, their information? 
So I think that's actually wise. And I, I think that that's, that's like really within the realm of academic innovation. And it's, and it's very tangible for faculty. I mean, even at our university, we have several faculty that have actually created their own uh, textbooks and workbooks, right? And then had them published through the iBookstore. And that's how their students get their content, which is incredible. Now they're able to use their you know, tablet or their iPad to actually interact with these things in ways that they really couldn't before when they had a physical textbook or even just having that publisher textbook that's digitized, you still don't necessarily have um, all of the <clears throat> opportunity that you have with a textbook that was created with you in mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I just see such an opportunity. And for those listening that was curious of the non-porn related uh, OnlyFans, Patreon. Patreon is the Patreon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Subscription service of any content whatsoever. I just think the movement for that faculty role. And I'm not talking all faculty. I'm talking like those that are super driven, that want to create content, that want to hit masses, that want to hit students at scale, that want to make have a long lasting impact and be creating content. I think there's just an opening right now as far as your own simulator, your own textbook, uh, whether that be an OER, whether that be an NFT textbook, whether that, may, whatever that may be, whether that be a Patreon account where you can teach students anywhere in the world um, and you can, have, you can hold classes on Patreon and get paid, right? Subscribe to your, your class, even though it's not associated to the university. Like you're still a faculty member, you're a professor, you know these things. So I don't know. I think it could be something where it's a, it's a theory, right? It's just something you think about and it's like cool in theory or five, six years from now, is it something that's readily used? I don't know. I don't know. I I think that the idea of like an instructional Patreon is very fascinating. Yeah. I'm kind of with that. I could support that. Yeah, because, you know, and I've done some research on this Patreon thing because I, a lot of faculty, not a lot, I would say there are some faculty members that sell their own Coursera classes. Like that's a thing, right? They just sell their own classes, not associated to a university or whatsoever. And I have some friends making good change, right? I mean, it's it's respectable. This pay, I've been looking at this Patreon because I definitely like the idea of subscription where a Coursera class is kind of a one-time thing. And to tell you the truth, I have a, I have a class. It's not Coursera. It's only one of the other one. Udemy. I have a Udemy mm-hmm. class. And I don't know, once a month, I'll get a small check. But I'm interested in the subscription stuff, whether that's subscription to an NFT textbook that the, te- the faculty member updates. So you don't get those textbooks from 10 years ago. Constant up- subscription to the textbook, subscription to a weekly show kind of thing. I don't know. I think... I, I don't know. I'd be fascinated. I'd be fascinated by it. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely into seeing what that would look like. I, I like the idea of the subscription model as well. And then you really do have more bandwidth to educate more people. And again, even though it's not associated with accreditation, it is still associated with gaining knowledge. So yeah, I'm with that. I've paid more for less. And what we started the conversation out, right? Google, the information's out there. Right. The information, there's a lot of crap information. So let's just say it as it is. There's a lot of crap information. And I think we're changing in a sense of like the textbook. The textbook is keywords. It's definitions. It's not really teaching you to learn. 
It's really the content, right? Which is important. I'm not saying super important. I just feel like the content can be found online somewhere if you know where to look, right? And how to to decipher between bullshit and real stuff. Definitely. So if we can figure that part out, then the academic side, the professors, the faculty, that in class is still need because that's the person or individual or group of individuals or machine learning, whatnot, to teach you how to learn, right? Here's the content over here, whether that be through OER, a simulator. Now the class is, okay, how do we actually use that? Right now that you know the keywords, now that you know the the uh, equation, how do you? What does that look like in the world? I'm just, I think it's something. Yeah, and I, I really think that this this Patreon subscription type idea is a way to put all those things together. I'm with it. Man, okay. Then when you Google something, you sift through the crap, and then you're like, oh my gosh, there's this instructor that's offering this information. Let me get it. Nice. Okay, so. As soon as this ends, I'm going to think I'm going to start a 2000s hip hop class. And I, cause I know everything there is. I know about the tooth, not so much the new stuff, right? I'm not the, the juice world one. I'm not into, but the 2000s, man, my class, my textbook, my simulator of the, who is the best in hip hop in the 2000s? I'm in. 2000. So like the year 2000 to where's your cutoff? Where? I'm going to say I'm a solid 2000 to uh, 2012. I'm going to say it's, it's over a decade. Okay. I'm going to say it's going to start to diminish a tad uh, <laughs> at that point. Uh, but no, I, I think this is something interesting. I definitely think it's something, something cool. And I'm going to give you your, your thoughts on this last piece, this last piece. I think, and this is recorded so we can come back in the future. Again, five to six years from now, I've, I've been on record to say 2025 is the, is the tipping point. I think a lot of stuff in higher ed changes 2025. It all, that's the beginning of major change. It's all, it's all going to change. I think there's an opportunity for, I'm going to say, quote unquote, the best. And that is distinguishable. That is very difficult to uh, quantify. And there's biases behind that. And we get a whole conversation of what the best means of faculty right? Okay. There's biases that occur and you just look at class evaluations and you can see as far as gender and race, there's some, there's some stuff that happened there, but the best faculty, the ones that can communicate the best, right? And that's what knows the knowledge is credible, has information, but can communicate that the best. I think they're going to be just valued at an unheard of level where at that point, there's going to be depending on the size of the university, three to eight faculty members at a given university that make five times more than any faculty member at the college. And they're going to get hated. Faculty members are going to hate those individuals. They're going to make five times more money simply because of this, Taylor, simply because of their reach, that students are going to want to go to that program because of what they have on YouTube, on Patreon, on they've had a, a resource, a simulator in high school that they've used. They know this person. I want to go to that program. I don't know. What do you think? I think you'd be completely wrong on this too. This is just. Uh... I, I can agree that there are going to be some standout faculty that emerge from uh, all types of walks of higher education. Um, paying them five times more than everyone else. 
I love that idea, but I don't know how realistic that is. But I do think that they will be rewarded for the impact that they have on their programs because you're right. Reach is really the key. Mm-hmm. And the more you're getting out there, the more disruptive you can be. Yeah. And you look at, I mean, I can see it's similar to almost like take a, not obviously not to the level of, but like an NBA player, baseball player, where there's like contracts and you can't leave even if you want to, because the university prompts you up as this media person, as this face, as like, we are building our missions around this person that we can't build you up and then let you leave <laughs> to go a competitor and take a lot. So I don't know, I could see that contract situation also looking looking to just for those three to eight individuals, not at a wide scale, but something. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. To be hated or to be disruptive. We'll have to (laughs) leap into that next time. All right. I love it. Uh, All right, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. As always, be you and be disruptive. We'll see you next week.